0: Good morning. morning. Uh, Welcome again. For those of you who missed the welcome last night, welcome to Bestowed. Welcome to Alive and Dangerous. Um, I'm Matt. I'm one of the team here um, at Alive and Dangerous. Um, You'll learn plenty more about me this morning, but just a a little introduction. Um, I'm uh, an adopted Yorkshireman, which is why I can wear shorts in this weather because I'm a hardy northerner now. Um, I've been living in Yorkshire uh, in the Hull area for about the last 20 years with my wife, Jen, and more latterly with my kids, uh, Jacob, who's nine, and Maya, who's aged eight. So we're here at Bestowed this morning. Bestowed is a peculiar uh, Middle English uh, old word, and it means to give or present something. And not just anything, but something of value, something enduring and we believe God's desire for us this weekend is to give us something, to bestow something on us, something valuable and something enduring. I'm really excited about what God has got for me to bestow on me this weekend and I hope you are also can be similarly excited about what God has for you. The origin of that word bestowed as well, it comes in two parts, the be and stow. And stow is about, uh, the meaning of stow is place. Um, so there's something important about being, be is, uh, in this place to stow. In order that we can receive that gift that God's got for us, we need to be here. And in order to be here, we can't be anywhere else. We don't have the omnipresence that God has Um, So if we want to be able to receive what God has for us this weekend, we need to be present here this weekend. This weekend has been designed as much as possible to facilitate that for you, taking you away from your familiar locations, um, some of your usual comforts um, from traffic and giving you some space to be away from everything else and also other people. So I would invite you to embrace this as much as possible, and to be present, to be here, to be able to be bestowed this weekend. So last night, Rich outlined why God wants us to go on this journey Um, that we're starting this morning. This introductory clip again um, highlighted some of those themes. These themes in the journey are not necessarily uniquely masculine, but for many reasons, some cultural and some um, of design, it is a better fit for us as men. So if Rich unpacked the why, I'm going to look at the how this morning in this first session. How are we going to do it? How are we going to go through that journey? So this morning, I'm going to be your map to the weekend. So we've not, deliberately not given you a detailed agenda and a program, because we want this weekend to tell you a story. And during the story, we want you to be present in each of the current chapters, not always looking forward to the next thing. As you read a book, you're not always skipping forward. We want you to be present in this current chapter in order to enjoy the story that we're going through. And the story we want to tell is the story of a life of a man, a journey from birth to to death, visiting six destinations along the way. And in each of these six destinations, God has a key lesson that he wants to show us. And each of those destinations will teach us lessons which will be useful for the subsequent destinations on our journey. So as we visit each of these destinations over the course of the weekend, we'll give you the opportunity to map your own personal journey. And significant journeys, like the, uh, the journey of life, never go exactly to plan, do they? I remember after university, we saved up a little bit of money, and because uh, uh, myself and my wife, I was married at the time, um, I had, both had jobs to go to, we spent all that on going on a, a backpacking trip around Australia and New Zealand. And one of our first destinations was Cairns, Cairns is on kind of towards the north of the east coast of Australia and we had about 10 days in order to get from Cairns, um, towards the north of the East Coast, down to Brisbane, which is about halfway down the East Coast of Australia. Now, we absolutely love Cairns. We spent an awful lot of time there. We went, and, um, went swimming on the Barrier Reef and exploring the forests and the various places around there. And we'd realised we'd actually spent a bit more time than we'd originally intended um, there. So it came to time we ought to really work out how we were going to get down to Brisbane. Now, Brisbane's only about that far from Cairns on the map. So we walked into the, uh, to the travel agent in Cairns to actually book some of our tickets. And it was only then we realised that it was a 30-hour train journey and a four-hour bus journey just to get down to that time. And we only had about four days left before we needed to uh, catch our flight out of Brisbane. So our journey ended up having to skip through some of the destinations that we planned to go through in order that we were going to reach where we needed to get to, to, to Brisbane, so we could catch our flight out to New Zealand. And similar things happen in our journey through life. As we um, move through the destinations, we might find that we we stay in some places a bit longer than intended, and we rush through um, some of the other destinations. And what we will explore together um, this weekend is the consequences of that, the consequences of not necessarily following the journey exactly as it was intended. As I say, our journey needs a map, and this morning my my purpose is to sketch out that map and sketch out the key places on that map in order that we can understand the story we'll travel through this weekend. And once you have this map in your head, you'll be able to place yourself on that map and to see where you are, what's been behind you, and what's ahead of you. And what I also hope you'll be able to do on this map is to trace your journey through this story to your current place on the map. How did you get there? You'll be able to see which destinations you may have missed out or rushed through, um, or some that you've become so infatuated with in your current destination that you might have lost sight of the rest of the journey and may need to pack up and to move on. So, as I get my pen out and start drawing this map, before I get to the destinations, I'm going to start first with the contours. So, if you're not used to reading maps, contours are the little lines on the map which tell you um, whether or not your journey is going up or down. It tells you the severity of the gradient and the elevation of the journey. And when I think of Adventures, when I'm planning my own adventures um, out in, in the countryside, they're invariably adventures of ascent. I love the Lake District in particularly. When I plan my, uh, my, my route in the Lake District, I don't plan a route which follows around the, the valleys. I'm always planning a route to get to the top of a mountain, to go up, to go up high in order that I can look down on everything else um, around me, look down on the lakes and the scenery. I plan a journey of ascent going up on those contours. And culturally, it's the same. Our culture teaches us that ascending brings us life. Ascending in our school, our careers, our social standing, the sizes of our houses, and the sizes of our bank accounts. Ascending is what we should all be aiming for. But This morning, I want to try and readjust our that paradigm. I want to draw our map in a different direction. I'm going to show you now some clips of the film called The 33. If you haven't seen this film or aren't familiar with it, you should be familiar with at least be the story of the story. It's the story of rescuing the 33 trapped miners um, in the mines of Atacama Desert of northern Chile. Um, it's a fantastic film looking at uh, the effect of being trapped in a mine a mile underground and what uh, for 69 days and the effect that has on that group of 33 miners. But today I don't want to focus on the miners themselves, I want to look um, at the, the person probably portrayed as the hero of this story, Lawrence Goldborn. He's the uh, Minister of Mining. and. Although the entire film is actually a journey of a descent, a journey of trying to get down into the mine to rescue these uh, um, 33 miners, um, Lawrence Goldborn himself as the Minister of Mining also goes on his own journey of descent. And so as we look at these clips of the film, I want you to try and identify at least three times that he makes a, uh, makes a journey of descent. So first of all we talked about so looking at three uh, journeys of descent that uh, Goldborn Lawrence Goldborn goes through so First of all, he takes. He first of all, he goes on a, a, a journey of descent from the um, privileged position of his, of his home um, in the capital, in the, in the power of Santiago, and he chooses that he wants to go down and be there um, in the mine in the Atacama Desert. And I know that's geographically actually north, but definitely politically, that's a journey of descent, wanting to go down and be there. He then goes from the relative security of the fenced compound of the mine itself and he goes down into the village that's been established with the families outside of the mine and actually talks to the people there and becomes part of those people he is trying to help. And then finally, when, um, if you'd seen the story, almost everybody else is giving up hope He goes down from his position as the Minister of Mining and effectively becomes uh, a site engineer. He literally gets his hands dirty with the dirt and helps to start the drills. And this story resonates particularly with me because it's so similar to another story I know so well. God sent his son Jesus uh, from heaven down to earth. He descended down to earth. He was born a Jew, a relatively privileged position, but he then descended down in order to become with the Gentiles. And he got, even got his hands dirty himself, um, casting out demons, healing the sick, setting the example for us to follow. God teaches us that we come alive by descending. He teaches us that we come alive by listening to him. Trusting in him, relying on him. He teaches that my journey is not one of making myself better, but instead making myself less and himself more. He asks us to forego the comfortable and the secure, and instead welcome discomfort and danger. Relinquish control and trust his voice. He asks us to put ourselves quite literally in the hands of God. We are going on a countercultural journey of descent. So now we understand the lay of the land, um, we can at last take a glimpse of the six destinations on our journey. These destinations that we'll look at on the map that I'm drawing this morning are six stages that each of us go through that follow um, the journey through our lives. And as I said, they have a natural order, but one we might not always follow, but one that we are designed to follow. Uh, and you can see each of these six destinations in most classic story films. But as it's Friday morning, um, I've chosen a light-hearted story to illustrate this journey. So we're going to look at the story through the uh, look at the story through the film of The Lion King. So we're going to start. The story starts at its at our first destination, and that destination is called the beloved sun. We're going to look at Simba. He's a young cub. Growing up in the kingdom and under the protection of his father, the king Mufasa. And the critical part in this destination of the beloved son is that Simba knows he is loved. He is loved by his father. He is loved by the king. So Simba knows he's loved by his father. And that love makes him feel safe and secure to, ins- to explore the environment around him and to learn. And lessons learnt here in the destination of the beloved son set us up for the rest of the journey. Especially as the learning from our earthly father helps or unfortunately potentially hinders our journey with the heavenly father. The next piece of the film, which we're not going uh, we to see at, at, at all of, if you don't know the story, the, um, is the unfortunate death of uh, Simba's father, Mufasa. And the death is, uh, uh, happens in such a way that Simba actually uh, feels as if he's to blame um, for that death. And so after this happens, we see Simba arriving at the next destination, and that's the destination of Cowboy. The cowboy, typically, which is in um, your later teens and early twenties, is a phase of kind of innocent adventure, starting to push the boundaries, to learn lessons, uh, to learn lessons in the field. It's a time to work hard. It's a time to learn skills. It's a time to dare and a time to learn that you have what it takes. Simba uh, entered the cowboy destination running from the death of his father and feeling the guilt of that fault. He therefore, uh, within this story, he actually hides in that cowboy destination for way too long. And when leaving the destination of cowboy, he deliberately avoids the next natural destination and takes a detour to a destination later in the journey. And this is a destination that actually many of us uh, try to go to early a common one to want to head towards. And this is the destination of the lover. The lover destination is actually not primarily about the woman, uh, but that's invariably what attracts us uh, and those journeying in. The lover is actually a destination about learning to love in the broadest sense. It's a time to awaken to beauty, um, to life, to discover music and literature, and like the young King David, to become a romantic and to take your spiritual life to a whole new level. So Simba's off track in his journey and he needs some help to get him back on track. And he receives this help from a character called Rafiki. Rafiki actually lives in the final destination and will come back to him a little bit later. And Rafiki helps Simba to return to the journey and he enters the destination that should have followed the cowboy. And this is the destination of the warrior. So in the destination of warrior, typically um, in the early 20s, a man finds his cause and hopefully a good king to follow. And he sets off on a journey to learn to defend that cause. In the warrior destination, a man learns the inner discipline required to follow through with this cause. He finds strength and he learns to battle for the kingdom. The warrior destination will usually overlap with the lover, but ideally entering the warrior first so that you can prove your strength in battle and not have, not have to risk going to look for your strength in the arms of the woman. And once his strength is proven in the warrior destination, Simba has the right to be crowned king. And king is our fifth destination. The king is the penultimate destination. Once he's proved his strength as a warrior, he's given a kingdom. And in the destination of the king, he's given a a level of influence and authority. And the king must decide whether he wants to use that either for selfishness or for service. That's the key decision within the destination of the king. Simba enters uh, the destination of the king in the, in the final f- uh, scene in uh, the story. So we don't see uh, Simba in, in the final stage, in the final destination. So to see the final destination, we're going to go back into the story um, to return to an earlier scene in another character. He, here we will see the character Rafiki. Rafiki's in the final destination of the sage. And here he is passing... Some of his wisdom to Simba, and this is the wisdom that breaks him out of the destination and into the destination of the warrior. So in this final st- stage of life, uh, the size of his kingdom will have reduced, but his, the level of, his, of his, blah, the level of his influence should not. Uh, Rafiki here shares his experience and knowledge with those younger and earlier on the journey. And in a time of life when some men feel that their time has passed, they may realize as they enter the sage that they're able to give their biggest contribution. So now we have our six destinations on the map. And I'd encourage you to look for these destinations in your own life. And also in other stories and in other characters you know. The Bible character David is a, is a fantastic one to look, to look at and to see. So we first see David in the destination of the cowboy. He's uh, testing his strength and learning his skills as he tends his father's sheep in the fields. We then see him as a warrior, as he proves his strength in fighting Goliath. We see massive evidence of his stage of the lover, primarily through uh, his writings in the Psalms. And as a king, he obviously has the physical kingdom and the physical crown to go with it. And as we look for these destinations in our our own life and in in, in the other stories, they'll become more familiar for us, and we'll be better able to plot our own path on the map and through the destinations. Over the next few days, we'll look at each destination in detail and help you to understand them better. So on our map this morning, we have some contours showing us that we are journeying down. We're on a journey of descent and we've placed our six destinations, but we're missing a title. All maps need a title. And I'm gonna title this map Fathered by God. And we've talked about six destinations, but isn't that a strange journey that has six destinations? Normally Normally a journey only has one destination. A single end point. So where is God trying to take us? Where does he want us to be? And is this map going to show us the way? I guess this is a question that's been occupying my life and my mind for the last 20 years. Where am I going? Who does want God want me to be when I grow up? My children regularly ask this uh, same question, what am I going to be when I grow up? And at age eight and nine, it's a fully legitimate question. But why am I still asking this question some 30 years later? Let me tell you a bit about my story. My mum grew up in West Africa, and her parents lived there as missionaries for more than 20 years. I didn't see too much of my grandparents um, growing up, but the occasional glimpses into their life fascinated me. As I got older, I even read a few books about their time in Africa and read stories about my grandfather flying across Africa, having adventures, getting into trouble and surviving to tell the tale. It was inspiring stuff. And I was also uh, similarly inspired by my paternal grandfather's stories of flying planes as a teenager in in the Second World War. And something stuck in my head from a very early age that one day God would want me to go and do something similar to be a missionary in Africa, or just generally to save the world. as a teenager I, and as a teenager, I understood I had an aptitude for engineering, um, and therefore I decided to study that, uh, to learn some good engineering skills and then God would show me which part of the world I'd then go and need to save. At the end of the, my degree, I realized I had lots of knowledge, but um, no real practical skills. So God needed me to train as a proper engineer. And then he'd be able to show me where I needed to go to save the world. So off I went, and I went to find the biggest company I could um, and in order that I could then use them to train me to understand how I could be a useful engineer and go on and save the world. And about every five to 10 years within my career at BP, um, I'd get itchy feet. I'd go around and I'd browse the expo tents at Christian conferences. I'd talk to all the exciting organisations who were off saving the world, and I'd hope that God would open a door for me. But nothing ever came. After nearly 20 years at BP, learning to be useful for God, this year is likely to be my last. So has God finally shown me how I'm going to save the world? What I'm gonna do now I'm all grown up? No. It's been a slow and frustrating realization that God is not actually very interested in what I do. Yes, you heard me right. He's not very interested in what I do. It's not that what I do is not important or worthwhile. It's just he's obsessed and he's passionate about who I will be. His priority is relationship and forming me in his own image. God's focus is on fathering me, and being fathered is all about the work that He wants to do in me, and not about the work that He wants me to achieve. And this is why the map that I'm drawing for you this morning does not have a single destination. It's certainly not all about preparation to be a king. The map is a journey of destinations. The map is a process of being fathered by God. I don't think I'm the only one in my generation which has been obsessed with finding my calling. What is that one thing that God wants me to do? But I think God was very clear right from the start of scripture to set out what our priorities ought to be in this respect. So in Genesis 1, reading from verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's a massive amount in these few verses, but a few points I just want to bring out. Firstly, we are created specifically in God's own image. So our primary calling is to bear the image of God. I think bearing God's image is in two aspects. First of all, it's interesting how God describes himself in the plural sense. Let us make man in our own image. Um, So we are to take our place, bearing his image is to take our place in his family, in the family of God. And also bearing that image, um, is part of that bearing of that image is to represent God in everything we do. And this should be natural as we're built that way. So to to bear his image is to take our place within that family, within that community, and to represent God in everything we do. And then the next thing that is explained in the scripture is that we were blessed and then he blessed them. Before we did anything, he blessed us. Our blessing was not dependent on what we did. Our blessing was only dependent on who we were, a member of God's intimate family. There's nothing in here about donning capes, wearing underpants on the outside of our trousers and jetting off across the world This calling, our corporate calling, is not something we need to wait for. It's something that's ready for me here and now. I need to accept my place in his family. I need to represent him in all that I do and attempt to bring his order in the circumstances around me. And this should be a natural outcome of our journey of being fathered by God. This weekend, this map is only gonna give you one piece of direction. The compass accompanying our map is fixed in one place, and that is towards the Father, our Father, God the Father. So this is our map for the weekend completed. So in conclusion, if I may, I'm going to give you my view on how this weekend will feel in order to finish your preparation for the journey. This is my sixth weekend, I think, from Alive and Dangerous, and my second bestowed weekend. Although the format evolves, there is some consistency to the flow, and I go on a similar journey each time I come on the weekend. So this weekend is primarily designed for us to spend time with God. Most of the sessions will be structured with a time of teaching, and then following that, what we call a ministry of silence, a time for you to be alone and spend time With God, and generally in the teaching sessions, I'll get some good food for thought. I'll be pointed within towards a certain direction, and then sent out in silence to find a quiet place. Sometimes I'll just walk, um, and but usually I'll find a place uh, to sit somewhere alone. After a couple of sessions, I'll usually find a favourite place, and I'll uh, generally go to that place for the rest of the weekend. Uh, weather permitting. I'll then have about 20 minutes to spend time in silence alone with God. As a a man with a young family, I'm not uh, used to finding that amount of space and silence, and it's not particularly familiar for me. And it will feel, therefore, the first couple of sessions will feel a little bit alien, especially that piece of silence and into that silence will flood all of the worries of my life. The list of things I should have done before I left, what I'll need to do next week, the warm jumper I wish I'd bought, uh, why the bloke in the bed next door sm- snores so badly. That, in- that silence will be interrupted by kind of a great wail of other noise around me. And that pattern will generally go throughout today, so the different silences throughout today, it'll, it'll be similar. In the evening, I'll probably feel that, well, the speakers are great to listen to. I love the film clips. Uh, I, I've got a whole list of films I really must uh, watch or rewatch when I get back. Uh, I'll feel that maybe it's been great uh, hanging out with some of the guys, but I've got no real idea what God is saying to me. I can't hear a thing. Then sometime tomorrow, the background noise will start to disappear and subside the silence will start to feel a little bit more silent. And God's whisper, I'll start to hear. The flow of what I'm hearing throughout the sessions will start to make sense and God will start to speak into an area of my life. This will then build throughout, throughout Saturday and become clear over the subsequent sessions until I can properly articulate what God is challenging me with personally. I'll then get to Sunday, probably exhausted with a lack of sleep from strange beds, but loving the access to God uh, that the retreat aspects of the weekend has given me. I'll be determined to carve out some more uh, time in my, car- in my calendar at home to more regularly uh, find this, the silence that I've experienced. But I'll go home and the silence will be gone. But I'll be left with the notes that I've made in my book something to work on, which I'll have committed to with God during the weekend in in that time that the silence has given me. And this is consistently my experience of Alive and Dangerous. And why am I telling you this? Because I want to encourage you that even if today feels a little bit dry and difficult, stick with the silence. You really must do all that you can do to remove yourself from everyday life. As Rupert said yesterday, it will still be there when you return. But if you let it, the opportunity of this weekend uh, will be gone. In order to find that silence and to find the whisper of God, you need to be able to eliminate the noise and the less that you engage with the outside world, the quieter it will become. If you push through, you will find God. He will be there and you will find him. One thing you will not hear this weekend is uh, an invitation to come forward to the front and be prayed for. This is a very deliberate thing because we're encouraging you to work these things out personally with God yourself. However, there may be some things that come up that you just can't deal with um, on your own and you need some support and some prayer from others. And if that is the case, I would encourage you to either come and find somebody in your groups to, uh, that you've come with to pray with, or to come and find a member of the team to, to come and pray with you. We are here and we're accessible for you this weekend, so please don't hesitate to come and find us, even during the ministry of silence. Um, if, we, if we don't want to be accessible, we'll, we, we will take ourselves away. So if you can find us, come and use us and come and uh, uh, Come and get our help in that session. As Rich and Rupert were saying yesterday, we're not uh, in any way trying. Uh, uh have got kind of some superior experience or, um, or, or something to impart, but we are we are here to help you along that journey and to uh, and to share with you and to and to pray with you if you need us. You were introduced to all of us yesterday. One of the one of the team though who uh, you weren't introduced to um, yesterday because he didn't arrive until about one o'clock this morning was Tom. So Tom sat there on the on the second row. Wave your hand, Tom. But um, uh, come and find one of us. So as I close, I'm going to ask you to go out and to practice that ministry of silence. We'll normally give you a set of questions to go and uh, work through from the session, but now I just want you to experience the silence and to invite God into that space. So we'll keep the silence a little bit more brief than normal. And uh, at the end of the silence we will sound a, a car horn and that will uh, give you an indication to come back um, in here, have a cup of coffee and then, uh, and then, uh, and then we'll, we've got another session this morning before lunch. There is an absolute ton of space outside there. Um, there's about 400 acres which are owned uh, by the property that we're on. They both broadly go out in that direction, beyond the caravans. So go out and explore, walk through the fields, find, find a space, find somewhere that uh, is suitable for you to, um, to have your uh, ministry of silence this morning. Over the last few years, I am uh, learning to become an Anglican, um, so I've written some liturgy for you to start the session this morning. I'm gonna read it to you now, uh, and then you can also read it uh, again yourselves, if you'd like, to, to start your ministry of silence with God. It's, if you pick up your, your bestowed booklets, it's, in the, uh, it's towards the back um, of there. You'll also find some questions um, which you can use for the future subsequent ministries of silence. They might be useful for you following the sessions that we're doing later on in the weekend. But you'll also find my prayer um, there. And so once I've prayed, um, go and take that ministry of silence. Please don't talk to anyone as you leave um, to start the silences as we go out. And go and find yourself um, a place to, to pray and to talk to God. Father God, lead me. I commit to the journey of discovering you as my Father. Come close to me. Help me to remove the distractions in my mind. Speak into the silence. I put our relationship in front of my personal ambition. Reveal yourself. I desire to be fathered by you. My true father. Amen.